from Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. All right, welcome back to The Stoop Sessions. On The Stoop with us, we have a guest. Who's our guest? Morgan Proudfoot. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta tell us, is there something special with Proudfoot? Um, you know, it's not Native American, so just cross that off. It's actually Scottish. All right. So some like Braveheart, Proudfoot. More like some drunk name. Scott got <laughs> yeah. a name for himself in the community, and they just named him Proudfoot. You know, I can only say the Europeans have always been straight on. They've never really minced words. They're like, "This is how we feel." So I'm That's with right. it, Proudfoot. Right. We've got Morgan Proudfoot. We're gonna call you Drunk Man. That, that, no, that name no, sounds so, like, important. It just seemed like that's well, the name that. of a leader. And I'm Joel Kurz. And I'm Eric Hill. And I'm Stephanie Greer. So uh, I went to high school with a, a guy named Michael Proudfoot. No relation. You know, I'm sure there's a relation somewhere because there's not many Proudfoots right. around. A lot of other proud body parts, but not... <laughs> not many proud not, feet. Not proud of, yeah. So let's go, let's, go down, let's go back to the roots of Morgan Proudfoot. First of all, I should say you are a pastor in New Bedford, Massachusetts at Grace Harbor Church. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've been there for a couple of years, uh, but your church is only, what, 38 weeks old? That's right. We launched, uh, opened in June, June 7th, so we are 38 weeks old. Awesome. We'll get back to your church in a second. But let's talk about who Morgan Proudfoot is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, born and raised, uh, actually not in New England, but born and raised in, on the West Coast in Seattle um, to uh, a pretty broken family. Um, my, my parents are, are, are both byproducts of just uh, growing up in extreme poverty, um, extreme ignorance in, in a lot of ways. And so uh, my, my parents uh, were were uh, quite quite different um, in background and age, uh, similar in background, different in age. My, my father was almost 18 years older than my mom, um, and uh, my mom was really young when she had me, 17 when she had me. So yeah, born and raised in, in downtown Seattle. Um, so and, downtown was just like city center, you're living in a nice condo? Uh, yeah, the complete opposite of that. So we, yeah, grown up with, you know, uh, prostit- friendly prostitutes on our front porch. Um, growing up, very friendly with, you know, dealers were nice. Um, running from, you know, this time the, the Bloods and the Crips were really big in Seattle. Mm. So, so Seattle s- has like an inner city. It does, yeah. Pretty- I, I think of Seattle as uh, Starbucks. I think of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so I'm watching. I think of uh, flowers in the fish market. I yes, think of right. I think of hippies. Let's just keep going around. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's I don't think of any of those things actually. So, um, so yeah, it was yeah. I mean, growing up on the streets um, was there until I was uh, about fourteen, fifteen. Um, and then uh, very quickly, almost overnight, my, my parents moved from inner city Seattle to the cornfields of Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And so my, my father was in and out of prison quite a bit. And so uh, all of a sudden, I, all I knew is we were, we were moving very quickly yeah. uh, to 
better our life, but I right. think it was more we were running from something. Yeah. So that's uh-huh. probably more of the, the story. Little mobster background potentially. Yeah, there could be some there could be Joel, some stuff you, there. You can't ask too many questions too deeply. That's right. I can yeah, yeah, I can yeah. only go so deep, yeah, my yeah. friend. But what okay. part of Pennsylvania? Moving on. <laughs> uh you know, the north the, the western the side state. of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. You don't have to yeah. answer your question for yeah. I just can you have to you do have to answer some of our questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the cornfields in Pennsylvania. Cornfields of Pennsylvania. Um at, where the mobsters at, can't find you. Where the mobsters yeah. can't find you, yeah. But you know who did find me is... Uh, Jesus. Jesus did find Look me that. through two elderly neighbors. So we, wow. we, we actually moved to an abandoned farmhouse in the middle of 50 acres. Uh, sounds like a witness re- relocation protection program, but, <laughs> it's, right. but it's, like, uh, it's actually... The, no, it's actually probably a, a hiding, hiding program or something. But... Um, but yeah, so we had, as soon as we moved there, our two elderly neighbors who were in their 80s walked hand in hand down our driveway. Wow. It took them forever to make that journey. And when they did, they invited us to their church. Wow. They, they welcomed us to the country. They invited us to their church. My parents quickly turned them down, but they invited me to their, they, the following weekend, they were going to have a bonfire for their youth group. And I was so inner city that I didn't know what either one of those words meant. <laughs> I knew what arson was. And so I, I was like, oh, okay, bonfire and arson. I can connect those dots. That <laughs> makes sense. Uh, and, and once I, you know, they told me youth group, I associated that with just kids my age. And so, but uh, yeah, by God's grace, I went, I went to their bonfire for their youth group and, and had a good time. And it was at that point they said, hey, you know, our youth group gets together every Wednesday. If you will walk across the field to our house, we'll take you. And uh, so I took them up on that offer, and and it was it was very p- pivotal in my life. Wow. Um, for for the next three four months, they they just engaged me with the gospel to and from youth group. Uh, so I was in the back of their back of their car. You know, like I said, cussing up a st- inner city, cussing up a storm. I had no respect for, I didn't know anybody that old. I didn't know people lived to be that old. Um, And they just very graciously, patiently, gently loved me, engaged me with the gospel, um, gave me things to think about. You know, the following week they'd follow up. They'd ask me some more questions. And somewhere one night between walking from across the field from their house to my house, the Lord saved me. And uh, I professed faith and repented of my sin. The, the hardest part of the gospel for me was, was not actually no, believing I was a sinner. As soon as, as soon as they described sin to me, I raised both hands. Like I, like I knew, I was like, that makes sense to me. I, I understand. What actually was hardest for me to understand was Jesus as God. Uh, because we talked about Jesus all the time in our house. Mm-hmm. Jesus this and Jesus that. And, and I, I did not understand that we were misusing the name Jesus. I thought it was a figure of speech that you said in moments of frustration. Mm. So when they told me, no, that's actually the wrong, that's actually blasphemy. You shouldn't be talking that way. Mm. Jesus is God. I, I thought someone was telling me like, you know, red was blue and blue was green. I just right. didn't make sense. Dude. Once I figured that out. <laughs> He's an actual person. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I was like, maybe our family are Christians. And they're like, no, 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 you're, you're not. You're not. <laughs> talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> that's right. So... Uh, but yeah, so the Lord saved me at 15, um, and shortly after that, uh, I found myself kind of homeless. 
Uh, my dad had kicked me out of the house. My dad had, and I had a rough uh, relationship. My dad kind of had a rough relationship with everybody. Mm. Um, it was a just a hard, abusive family situation, abusive in all the ways possible. And um, and so they they moved again, and I was on my own and uh, lived finished high school uh, by really kind of just sleeping on couches and and. Wow. With staying with friends. Were you still part of the church during these years? Like while you're bouncing around, were you going to this youth group? So I was going to the youth group uh, mostly when they would let me. You know, I was. Uh, so one of the things that uh, you know the unfortunate so sanctification was slow for you. Super slow, super slow, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> slower than slow. Now, what was interesting though was I had convi- like, I mean, the moment from walking across that field, I had conviction of sin though I didn't have language to articulate that. Yeah. I just knew that all of a sudden I'm feeling guilty for things yesterday yeah. I didn't feel guilty for. I'm feeling guilty for things that none of my friends are feeling guilty for. Mm. Um, but I didn't, yeah, sanctification was real slow. Discipleship was not really uh, present. Um, but I kept going to the youth group, and um, and eventually, after a you know, series of hard circumstances, I mean, you know, life just getting harder and harder, uh, ended up going, finding a different church um, that was big on discipleship, and it was there that I really began to kind of, to kind of grow in my faith. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I went to you know every service, I went to every, I went to every Bible study they had. Um, I found myself at a at a woman's Bible study at one point <laughs> because I signed up. I thought it was a Bible study about <laughs> women. You know, and because my name He's is Morgan. Like, where the word is preached. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to go. You had a That's hunger right. and thirst. I was hungry, man. And so. So, about, hold on. You thought it was a Bible study about women. What about women would you have been studying from the Bible? Like, what was in your, what was going through your mind? Well, man, what was going through my mind was How I. To find I've, a woman? Maybe, How to maybe, treat a woman? Maybe all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had not a whole lot of great experiences from a gotcha. biblical perspective. There you go. Yeah. About women. So, <laughs> so your name was on the list. They didn't notice there was a man's name on the Bible study list. Well, Morgan, can Morgan, go, yeah, yep. that's unisex. That go. That's right. I know so, more Morgan female. girls than I do. This yeah, is my too. first Morgan man. There you go. Out and of that's the five what Morgans that I know. And I showed up with my Bible under my arm, and they're they're <laughs> they they sent me home with some cookies. So oh, they you will always have cookies. They, and a yeah. doily. <laughs> and a doily. Joel. No doily, but Thank you. that would have been dope. Sorry, Stephanie. I apologize. <laughs> it's fine. Go ahead. So you had hunger. Did you, um, that hunger for discipleship, how did that come about? What was that? What kind of drove that? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, through a series, uh, just really of hard, hard circumstances. My senior year of high school, um, a short-term relationship uh, that I was in, uh, she became pregnant. And so I found myself, my senior year of high school, uh, becoming a you know a teenage father. Uh, that relationship didn't didn't last, but I stayed very much present in, in my daughter's life. Um, and life just kept getting kept getting kept getting harder. Um, you know, uh, through circumstances, my own sin. Uh, and so it was at that point where I recognized, okay, listen, I I I placed my faith in Christ, but there has to be something more to God's kingdom than just getting my ticket punched. Mm. And that kind of put me on this search for, what you know, what kind of God would just allow you to get your ticket punched and just not even give you any other help in your life. And, and so that led me to this search of discipleship and uh, looking for someone to 
to pour into me and, and looking for a church that came at it from a different way. Why was it that when things are getting bad, you didn't just give up on the faith? Like so many people, I think, come to Jesus thinking like, man, you know, I'm going to like give, get new religion, I'm going to get new faith, and then my life gets worse. And it's like, well, I tried that, moving on to something else. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things was I, in myself, I just had this, I had this deep understanding that God was a loving God and a loving God would not just, uh, only take you so far and then leave you on your own. And so I had this just in this, and really, I mean, I think it was the Lord's kindness to me of revealing his character to me. When I came to faith, it really made sense that, especially coming from my broken background with, with my, with a bunch of daddy issues that if God is the good daddy, the good father who gives good gifts, yeah. how would he, how would he leave me stranded? And so uh, maybe he didn't leave me stranded. Maybe I'm just missing half the story or wow. the rest of it. So I think that's kind of what drove, what drove that. So you mentioned the, um, the elderly couple that was, you know, instrumental in yeah. leading you um, to faith. Who else has been like instrumental, like doing this journey? I, I was very fortunate that God brought a lot of, a lot of men in my life as mm -hmm. I, you know, began to really pursue him and seek him. Um, a lot of male mentors that mm -hmm. fathered me in ways that I didn't even know was, <laughs> I didn't even know that fathers did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the elderly couple was, I mean, they were, you know, that's where it all started. And, yeah. and I have a real passion actually for, you know, for elderly, yeah. elderly saints, mm -hmm. not yeah. just turning it in. Right. That's like right. just not coasting. Like, yeah. You know, like if there was anybody who should not have been talking to me at that time in my life, it was this elderly couple. Uh, and so I think that one thing that that shows is that I mean, the, our elderly saints have more to offer than so than they know. That's good. You know, yeah. um, and our youth desire, yes. whether they know it or not, their desire and hungry, and we'll listen yes. to them. Yeah. You know? Yes, that's good. So every time I see someone older, I'm like, hey, you know, Jesus, would you like to be part of our church? Like, we need you. We need yeah, to right. hear that that's wisdom. Right. That gray hair is there for a reason. The Proverbs are written about you for a reason. Please come. And so it's so it's it's good to that you have an emphasis on that. If somebody's listening to our, our podcast and they're in their 70s or their 80s and they think to the, or 90s yeah. or 100s. And they think to themselves, I'm just too old, like uh, my time's done, I've done my ministry, um, I can't really, I'm not that effective anymore, um, youth, young people are not all that interested in hearing my voice, what would you, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, I, I just think you're wrong. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that, that young people are looking for is a gentle spirit especially in our culture in this day and age and and the elderly saints uh, that are that are godly that I know have that gentle spirit and so they they kind of automatically earn earn the ear of, of some of our young our young folk and so um, I would encourage them to to just you know Moses didn't even get started till he was 80 so it's like you got you got you you've got plenty of experience you got plenty of time left as long as your heart is be beating. God has God yeah, has so literally was what 120. <laughs> well, hey man, I knew you were gonna get there, but I'm like, can you let this man just walk us through 80? That's right. That's right. Still, that's 80 to 100. You can still make that work. Hey, that's there's 20 faithful years. There's a lot of people living past 100, so get a lot done in that time.
That's a good word, man. I, I find that very encouraging. Your Christian Missionary Alliance, and then you church. go to the Women's Bible Study at a at a at a Church of God okay. church. Yeah, so I'm I'm bouncing all over the theological spectrum here. All right. Uh, now you're what Baptist? Uh, yes, I'm okay. Baptist now. <laughs> Not going anywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Comfortable. So <laughs> Reformed Baptist. So yeah. how did you go from like bouncing around to Christian ministry? Yeah. So I was, it's interesting, you know, continuing my, just my story, man. It's uh, six months into kind of finding myself at a church that's big on discipleship. I'm going to everything I can except now Women Bible Study. They won't <laughs> let me go back to there. Uh, I then, uh, by God's grace, meet my wife. And um, I it was just happening. It's a great story, so I'm just going to tell it, okay? So it, it I was going to meet uh, a friend of mine from that youth group that I went to, uh, a girl that, that was part of that youth group. I was going to see her graduate Bible college um, in Nyack, New York, uh, Nyack College. And she, when I got there to visit her graduation, she showed me a picture of, of her roommates. And I had a, what I call just a, uh, a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, charismatic Jesus moment where the Holy Spirit told me, showed me, filled me with affection for that one girl in that picture, and I knew I was going to marry her. And so I've never had a moment like that again. And my wife says, thank you, Lord. That's good, <laughs> right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, and so long story short, I've we got were, a Tom Schreiner's book on cessationism. I know, we'll, uh, right? Tom, we'll I know. Walk through that in <laughs> yeah, a little bit well, here. Was, Next episode. I was waiting for it. That's right. That's right. It, but so you can write that off however you want. You can right. you can dismiss it however you want. It. But you you got the and girl. Th that's right. In okay. twenty years it later, it was an impression, right. Morgan. An impression. <laughs> okay. Is that what you want to call it? <laughs> call it a direction. It that's was. You know she, what it was? <laughs> you looked at this girl and you said, "That girl is killing it." I'm gonna marry that girl. Yeah, I think and it was everything a little, a little and, more than that. Okay, but, all right. I'm just telling you. All right, don't don't take away from my love story. Back bro. to the story. <laughs> okay. The, the Holy Spirit gave us gave you additional revelation that you're gonna marry this girl. <laughs> gave you the prophecy. <laughs> Back to your yeah, story. So sorry for interrupting. Far, but now you're putting words in my story. <laughs> So don't don't do revisionist history on his story. Yeah, man. So I mean, a year later from the day we met to the, a year later, we get married, and um, and and the, you know we had uh, a really hard first few years of marriage. Uh, my background uh, contributed to all kinds of just unexpected hardship and hardheadedness and pride and sin and. Uh, but by God's grace and through a number of, I mean, biblical counseling and uh, maturity and sanctification, uh, God began to heal and work. And, um, and then slowly I began to feel a call into ministry. And so um, went and uh, really that call kind of solidified, um, you know, probably right around 26 for me. And then I realized, okay, I need to go to, I need to figure out more than what I know now, and so ended up uh, going to college, uh, doing an, my undergrad, and 
but I wasn't real good at reading. Uh, college? Uh, I went to Edinburgh University in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, not Scotland. So Plot twist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where, where you lived? Where I lived in western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Just a... Just a very average state school. How did you get into college if you didn't, didn't know how to read? So, uh, that's a great question. and uh, Still trying to figure still that trying out. Still trying to figure that out. Still <laughs> trying to figure that out. By God's grace, my wife's actually a really good teacher. And so, shortly after we started, shortly after we got married, she actually really, really, she's the one that taught me to read. Um, you know, I graduated high school, not ever reading a book. I, I mean, I attribute that mostly to just personality and bad education. Uh, mm. My personality got kind of got me through with with teachers, and and they weren't. It wasn't a real good school, so uh, so I was able to graduate. But then, yeah, college came. I was like, I need to learn how to read. My wife taught me how to read. Uh, I often say my wife did two undergrads, you know, hers <laughs> and mine. But uh, she really helped me uh, get through that. So, I, yeah, I did a, a degree in sociology. And then uh, fast forward several years, went to Southern Seminary and did a MDev. What a jump. Right. I fast forwarded there. Yeah. I no, it tired. was good. It's I just got, but I felt, it felt. You got bored telling your own story. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, and then I'm planning a church, and this this thing is over. Here, it's like he's told his story a million times. Meanwhile, I'm over here, like, wait, he really can read? You're walking me through, like, oh, that was a real difficulty. It's not a joke. It takes me a little bit. No, of time I thought to, when you said, like, on. I thought you was just saying, like, you weren't a good reader. I didn't know you mean like, oh, no, bro, really I could not read. read. Yeah. yeah, I could not. Huh. I could not read. So that's what I mean. Like right. you still went to seminary. I mean, I've done right. enough to know that <laughs> right. if you you can't read that well and you go to seminary and you're out. So there was that God's period grace of time. Has been very good. There were there was a there was a number of years in between there from my yeah undergrad to my right. my wife taught me to read to the seminary. How did you go from sort of all of this to the Baptist world, Southern Seminary? What yeah, happened? so uh, planning a church in 2007 uh, to 2012, just outside of Pittsburgh, uh, with a Church of God denomination, which is a, I don't know if you know much about them, but they're kind of Ben Wesleyan, Arminian, uh, egalitarian. Based out of Tennessee? Based not out of Tennessee, out of Cleveland. Cleveland. Or not, not, no, no, I'm sorry, out of Anderson, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, out of Indiana. And so uh, so as I'm pastoring and in God's word, you know, preaching every week, I began, uh, my theology began to shift. And so uh, it was at that point I recognized, you know, I probably uh, need to find a church and a body, a, a tribe similar to my new theological convictions mm-hmm as opposed to representing this tribe that I really don't agree with theologically whatsoever. Uh, and so that kind of led us on a journey um, where we, we stepped out of that position. I stepped out. Uh, we identified some pillars of health that we were looking for. We spent some time uh, recuperating and healing in, in Texas, in Denton, Texas, uh, at the Village Church in Denton. Bo Hughes. Bo Hughes, yep, was the pastor there. And uh, after a period of being there for about three years, just learning to be a member, learning uh, to, to, you know, going through biblical counseling, starting seminary down there, um, I went on staff uh, and was on staff for 
another three, four years, something like that. So was that sort of your first kind of healthy church kind of introduction to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really way. gave me a framework. Uh, I mean, ecclesiologically, ecclesiologically uh, church polity, all of that gave me a vision for what, okay, this is what, this is how God's created the church to function, to run, to be healthy. Um, and it was, that was an instrumental time in my life for, uh, and in our family to really, you know, to be sent out to, to even plant, you know, where we are now. So you got sent out from the Village Church in Texas to Massachusetts. Correct. That's quite a, quite a jump across the country. It is. Why well, New Bedford? That yeah, so, so my, wife, my wife grew up in that area of the country. Um, so it's really been our home away from home for the past 20 years. Uh, we vacation there. We go there. We, we love New England. We always knew we wanted to make our last move would be back there where we wanted to put down roots. And so uh, that's kind of what led us in that direction. Uh, we landed in New Bedford specifically because of the inner city uh, context. We felt, really felt called to uh, work with poor working class people. Um, and also it was a city of about 150,000 people with not a real strong single gospel preaching church in the city limits. Uh, and so, you know, I think for a lot of people listening, even, even where we would come from in Texas, the thought of a city not having a gospel preaching church is just unheard of. That's right. But it's actually, a, you know, it's a, it's a reality. And so, so New England is less than 2% uh, evangelical Christian. And so it's, it, it, you know, it makes the list of an unreached people group. And so you have, mm. you have, you have tons of cities that don't have, don't have Bible preaching churches in them. They, they don't have old, what I call old white guys preaching out of a KJV singing acapella. They don't have that. You uh, have plenty of that in the South, elsewhere, yeah. throughout the country. Yeah, so, so that, that, we felt like we wanted to go to a place where we could pour our lives out, not run out of ministry opportunity, that fit my background really well, and uh, that we could, we could really begin to build what we've spent the first 15 years of our marriage learning. Kind of oddly enough fit your background. I mean, you come from Seattle through the cornfields of Pennsylvania, and now you're on the East Coast in New England. Yeah. And, you know, some folks might think of New England as sort of like a little uppity, little, you know, like let's smoke our pipe ha after our English tea and <laughs> talk about philosophy yeah. with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right? Yeah. But there's uh, working poor working class towns in New England. There are, there are actually a lot of them. I mean, that, that kind of image that you, you know, kind of paint there is the, the, the minority. Like that, there's not a whole lot of places like that. There are certain pockets of intelligentsia, but, you know, surrounded Ivy League schools. But for the most part, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Bostonians, Southies, that just that gritty, like, you know, blue collar. New England's actually very blue collar. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, cities, towns where mills have pulled out. Um, and, and now you're just left with a bunch of, you know, uh, hardworking, uh, loving, bitter, angry, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all kinds of, all kinds of description word, descriptor words there, but, uh, but people. And, um, and particularly in our city, you know, New England has been in this, this state of revitalization 
for about four decades. Uh, and, and as gentrification comes into cities, it does, you know, in some areas, it, some ways it does a lot of good, but, but one of the things it never fixes is it never, it never helps poor working class people. Mm. It just relocates them. Now, you're, so you're here uh, planting a church. Uh, tell us about your church a little bit and your vision for the church um, and the change that you hope to bring to the community through the gospel. Yeah, so we're yeah we we started uh, Grace Harbor Church in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, we launched in June of 2020, so right in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, that wasn't exactly our plan, but it's uh, it was God's plan. Uh, it's 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 actually people ask how does how has that experience been? It's been nothing but beautiful. Uh, we had no post, we had no pre-COVID church, so everything everything after pandemic is like, great. Anything we have is gravy. So it's, it's really been wonderful. Um, we're in a, we're in a, uh, you know, a very urban, uh, inner city, um, with working a lot with people that experience just all the effects of poverty. So mental illness and addiction and abuse and neglect, uh, abandonment, uh, a lot of homelessness, and um, and our desire is really to to as we preach the gospel, that um, that it would be for our city's flourishing. And so as we think about actually changing our our, our city, we're trying to think of it not necessarily as we're going to be the the key instrument to changing the neighborhood, but we are going to bring about spiritual flourishing. Um, through okay. through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so uh, we believe that as people flourish spiritually, um, that's that spiritual flourishing does pour over into to other areas of our lives. Uh, and you've got a core team of people. Yeah, we have yeah twenty seven members. We just brought that's in a wonderful. few members last last week, um, and yeah, people from the city coming, people driving in coming. Yeah. Um, it's, what's in your what's your neighborhood called? It's called, uh, our, our specific neighborhood is the West End of New Bedford. And what's the demographics in the, that neighborhood? Uh, it's, pri- it's primarily uh, Portuguese, Hispanic, African-American uh, with uh, a small population of, of white. Do you guys host women's Bible studies? And we, do you attend or lead them? <laughs> we do host women's Bible studies, actually. <laughs> My wife leads them, and I do not attend them. You could. They would just send you home with cookies, man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the cookies are already at his house. I'm not sure for the cookies. <laughs> um, what are some conversations you're kind of having in your head in this particular, I guess you're planted, but church planted season? Yeah. Uh, what's some conversations you have about God's truth or uh, just particular ones that you're going through? Well, I think, I mean, I think even that distinction you just made, like, is really big for us. We don't consider ourselves planting. We, 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 we planted when, when 17 of us constituted together and be, became members of the church. That's good. And so, so you, right I think now you're a small church. We're, we're just a small church. And that's okay. And we're, we're trying to be faithful. We're trying to grow in that. I think one of the, the, the mistakes planters make is they're in this perpetual season of church planting for five, six, seven years. And they're just, they burn people out on that. And they're always fighting for for rootedness, uh, but yet their language undermines what they're trying to accomplish. And so, so yeah, we're, we're planted. Uh, we're now, we're a church in the city and it's beautiful. Uh, we gather every week. And so, um, so yeah, some of the conversations, you know, that we're, 
that we're often dealing with is is this you know primarily people in our cult in our city are coming from a Catholic background, and so there's belief, there's there's just not faith, right? There's in fact I just even last week I had this conversation where I was talking to someone, and they were referring to somebody else, and they said I think she's a believer, I just don't think she's saved, and I was mm, like that's yeah. fascinating that. One, I need some. Te- we gotta do some teaching here, but but that you can you're you're think you're equating believer to 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 being just anyone who believes in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where Christians, you know, we don't we don't we would not have say that's a believer. And so, so those are just those minute conversations of having to break stuff down like that is often on on, on the table. Um, also, just what difference does the gospel make for me today? our conversations that we have, you know, so this, you know, people understanding like, okay, I know when I die, you're saying this is going to make a difference. But like today, as I'm trying to feed my kids, as I'm trying to, and, and, and we, you know, we're doing our, trying to teach them at saying, listen, like when you, when you follow Christ, when you live in obedience, when you try to obey his word and to honor others as he calls us to do, there are there are crises that become uh, avoided as we do that, and so when you pay your your water bill, and 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 not spend that in other places, <laughs> uh, on on other addictions, your water doesn't get shut off, and now you have somewhere for your kids to take a shower. Wow! And so the gospel actually does not only change the spiritual nature of yourself. But it does change the physical world as well. I feel like I was tuning them up. Right. I can't play a keyboard, but that's your keyboard. That's a keyboard. Church planting, man, that's where it's at. We believe in the church. We do. Praise God for you, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. This is great. You're welcome on the stoop anytime. And maybe anytime. one day we'll have to come hang out on your stoop. That would be That's wonderful. Right. We got we got we got a lot of stoops. So <laughs> they got stoops and they got fish and chips on the hey, stoops. I love the That's fish right. and chips. Man. You got some lobster up there? Oh yeah. We got it all. Until this pregnancy's over, I'm just keep <laughs> thinking about food. Fish and chips. <laughs> all right. We'll wrap it up. Thanks for being with us. Join us next time on the stoop. Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.